0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another spoiler review episode here from the
1: Geek Buddies!
0: We're back at it with these what if spoiler reviews. We're jumping into episode six, and before we move forward, we should say it right off the bat: yes, one person is missing from our crew. The lovely Emma Fife uh, is off; uh, was uh, uh, held up at work, and also uh, had, had to head out on all to her vacation, so she couldn't join us for this review. Unfortunately, the timing just didn't work out. We wish her the best to enjoy her time. She says she'll be back next week and write us out to the rest. Uh, write it out to Listen, the rest man. of the. Of the uh, run here, yeah. What's up,
2: everybody? Everybody wish Emma a happy vacation. She yeah, got COVID. She's the busiest woman I know. Yeah. Like, if anyone deserves a vacay, it is her.
0: It is absolutely, I'm a five. You're happy, right.
2: Happy vacay in the comments below. Go
0: for it. <laughs> yeah, give it some love, that's for sure. <laughs> Hardest work, working woman in show business. Anyway, we're jumping into episode six today of what if, uh, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark. This one went in a number of directions that I thought was very exciting and thrilling and fun. And had, again, that darkness that we remember from the Dark Doctor Strange episode. So really excited to see us diving back into that after the zombie episode of last week. You know, I, I've noticed that they kind of took the first few episodes, gentlemen, and they were like, okay, let me get you to understand, you know, feel the of premise, get in touch with these characters again. All right, let's just start getting some darkness rolling through here. So I really liked this episode, enjoyed it. Thought Michael B. Jordan did phenomenal work uh, for vo- voiceover-wise and what have you. But we'll get into all of it here for sure this is your first uh spoiler warning that we are going to spoil uh the episode so if you haven't watched it go back and watch it, and then pick up right here where you left off and join us for the rest of our uh review um let's jump oh well we should introduce ourselves real quick for the people who are new to our show I am the outlaw John Roker writer, producer and host here on the outlaw nation and the geek
1: buddies Mike
2: I am Michael Vogel a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies
1: Jen. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen your Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. nice that's right that's
0: right all right so we're gonna break this thing down in just a second but first we're gonna give our overall opinions about this a little bit of non-spoiler overall opinions on this and i'll give you one more spoiler warning before we jump into breaking this thing down section per section throughout the episode that's how we do it on the geek buddies michael overall thoughts what did you think so much presented here killmonger black panther iron man avengers so much covered here obadiah stain for god's sakes what did you think about this episode
2: well, I kind of feel like what I'm what what it seems like is there's kind of two different versions of what if depending on yeah. where we are. One is like one is like all out crazy. It's like Star it's like when T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, everything is different. Yeah. Uh when the Avengers are all zombies, everything is different. But then you have these episodes kind of like Captain Carter, kind of like uh the Avengers dying one by one and kind of like this one where Things are things are drastically different in characters trajectories, but it's similar enough that we get to really see moments from the movies recreated. Uh, and this was definitely that. I mean, we kind of started off very much in Iron Man territory, mm-hmm. but with Killmonger coming in earlier, it got us to sort of a little bit of an Age of Ultron moment with Ulysses Claw, and yeah. then we dove right into sort of an alternative Black Panther. And just seeing the world of the Iron Man, the world of Iron Man and the world of Black Panther sort of collide together in this way, it was a ton of fun. And really, like this is all Killmonger's episode. I yeah. think that. Killmonger already, uh, Michael B. Jordan solidified Killmonger as one of the most interesting, most, uh, tragic, most powerful villains that Marvel has had thus far, Mm. uh, in their 23 movie run. Um, but I think this was great because we got to really spend more time with him. And, um, Really see how devious he can be, which I thought was really, really interesting. I mean, if anything, in my opinion, this episode really kind of made Killmonger even a bigger threat, even a bigger, more powerful villain than he was before. Mainly because in this one, he kind of wins. Like, he succeeds. So I, I thought it was great. Uh I, yeah, I have a lot to say, but we'll get into the details. on it. But I really had a blast.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The Killmonger character here has been really fleshed out in this episode, which makes you almost um, kind of miss the fact that they took him out in one movie when he could have been a villain that per, like kind of existed and and stayed around uh, movie to movie because the threat this was the most um fleshed out we've seen killmonger in any way shape or form so i agree with you 100 michael what did you think shannon about this episode overall and michael's thoughts on killmonger as well
1: i mean killmonger was one of what was one of the many highlights of Mm. of black panther i mean michael b jordan's performance in that film was great and watching the different side of his approach to his sort Mm. of his sort of black ops approach to mm. achieve his personal objective was really neat because yeah. for the most part um in the film it was a little more it was a little more run and gun mm-hmm. whereas this it was a lot of hobnobbing it was a lot of him using using this charm that he has yeah. to yeah. kind of rub elbows with the the people that can make those decisions um we i think we're all presuming that michael b jordan is probably done in the movies outside of a multiverse time travel thing maybe um it was really great to to see him back in this Mm -hmm. and i gotta say even watching the trailers um when we saw that shot of him throwing throwing that stark uh, stark industries missile away from tony I mean in my heart of hearts I'm like ah oh, maybe he's a good guy in this one maybe he's a good guy <laughs> I like him so much I want to see him I want to see him be a good guy I don't want him to be I I don't want him to be the bad guy yeah. um cuz he, again he's just such a he's such a charming um charming uh uh dynamic character mm-hmm. but everything like watching how seamless they move with from within the worlds of the movies into this yeah. watching them go from Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Avengers 2, and the Black Panther. I mean, it just works so seamlessly that you you can, they're really doing the what if brand justice about how this literally could have been another version of the world.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, Michael, you're a showrunner. Shannon, you write for an animated series. Now you understand like flowing in these scenes, there's an editing process here that you have to, to get this as right as they got it in this episode. I think they did. It probably took it a tremendous amount of effort to figure out where to cut, where to move into, how to seamlessly have, in essence, segues into these movies and make the story work overall for the powerful ending that it had on two fronts. Yeah,
2: Mike? It, we, well, I think the mo- it, it takes a trem- tremendous amount of effort, but I think what I see in this and what I mm-hmm. think is equally as important is it takes a tremendous amount of passion. Yeah. And I think what's, what point. is very clear in this show is that everybody working on this show Is as much of a Marvel fan as we are. Yeah. Like the level of detail to, uh, well, let's set this in this scene. Let's do this exact shot from this movie. Let's make sure that this dialogue matches, but then here's where we deviate. And I think, particularly in the episodes where they really are kind of going into each of the movies. I mean, you know, Shannon brings it up every week, and I was thinking about it this week, but like even from the score, you know, even taking, you know, whether it be the Guardians theme uh when yondu and t'challa are fighting the collector or here when killmonger shows up and his uh the ludwig gordonson theme his mm. theme from the black panther movie shows up it's like those little hints of this is the music from the movie this is the exact set from this part like yeah. the thrill that we get going oh shit, this is the this is the the tanker from Age of Ultron 2, like this is where Ulysses Claw is. The fact that they went and like painstakingly recreated it in animation, that passion is I think what is making What If really, really come alive as a show.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you 100%. All right, we're going to get into it. This is your final spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the episode, go watch it. Pause this, go watch it, come back, and then hit play again and pick up right where you left off. Uh, This one's written by Matthew Chauncey. It is directed again by Brian Andrews. Uh, Killmonger rescues Tony Stark when his Humvee is attacked in Afghanistan and manipulates his influence for his designs of conquering Wakanda. That is the basic logline of this episode. Let's get into it. We start in the Kunar province in Afghanistan with the scene from Iron Man where Stark is attacked and taken hostage. It's a great animated interpretation of it, but this time, just when the rocket arrives to uh, maybe knock Tony Stark out and get him taken hostage by the Ten Rings, Killmonger arrives instead, throws that missile, as Shannon referenced, into the sky, and it blows up. He saves Stark And he goes off with him after he tells him about the 10 rings that were coming after him. The Watcher shows us Tony's path in our MCU, which will differ from the path this Tony uh, Stark is going to take. And And he ends it by saying... Though a man was saved, a hero was lost, and a villain was given a new chance. Now, when I heard that, I was in Shannon's camp, a villain given a new chance. I'm like, oh, this means he's going to be a good guy, right? No, a new chance to be even more villainous. Which <laughs> now, in retrospect, when I look at that line, uh, Tony's in a press cr- uh, press conference here answering questions, dropping quippy one-liners as he does. And Tony takes the lesson from his attack not to stop making weapons, but to instead make bigger weapons, more powerful weapons to protect the uh, uh, the young men who are out there fighting these battles, then announces Killmonger is his new chief of security, much to Happy Hogan and Pepper's dismay. The press keeps asking questions, including Christine Everhart, Leslie Bibb coming back to voice that again, who asks how Killmonger could have been there when his unit was 400 clicks away. Killmonger reveals after Obadiah stain tries to stop him from answering a question. Killmonger reveals that he discovered plans for the attack on Stark while he was deep undercover, deep undercover with the Ten Rings. Obadiah tries to stop it again, uh, and then uh, that causes Killmonger to expose Obadiah stain And he has apparently got all kinds of evidence that he brings up on the screen. That little clicker of his, that little button of his, is going to come in handy again later on in the episode. It says he's dropped it all on Google which of course probably angers Christine Everard who wanted to break the scoop uh, and reveals that Obadiah state was behind all of it. Obadiah tries to escape, pushes a couple of security guards off of him, And happy Hogan comes in with a right cross and knocks him out. And Tony's uh, grabs Killmonger's uh, hand lifts it up and says, Hey, if anything else, he's great for television. Let's stop there. Michael, what an intro. What an intro. We get the Iron Man stuff. Then we get the twist that Killmonger comes in. Then we get Happy Hogan once again. The poor, downtrodden Happy Hogan pushed to the side <laughs> for Killmonger. And then we get the Obadiah reveal in the first couple of minutes of the show rather than at the, near the end of Iron Man. So pretty incredible stuff here. What do you think about this beginning?
2: thought it was great. I mean, like, look, I love when they do the shot-for-shot shot things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually important because I think that yeah. – putting us so squarely into the familiar visually helps us feel even more disoriented when we go off kilter so right. having it be like shot for shot like that shot of the humvee coming right at the screen yeah. and then it's tony in there and it's like it's it's like it's the exact lines it's the exact moment Everything happens the way that we know it happens so that when Killmonger comes in, we're like, oh, here we go. This is the this is the moment. It's like yeah. we're the watcher watching it. Um, one, this is super random and I have no idea why it's different. But I was like I was I was watching it and then I was like reading some stuff on Twitter and somebody else pointed this out. I didn't see it. But the one difference is Tony in this has a flip phone. And in the actual ah. Iron Man movie, he's got like a more futuristic phone. Yes. And I'm not sure. I don't know if this was just an asset thing. They were like, we don't want to design his weird flip phone for this one moment. What do we have? Let's give him a flip. I don't know what the reason is. I don't think it's any kind of like deep, deep cover Marvel reason. But I yeah. thought it was interesting. Because like when they when everything was so much the same, that was different. Right. Um, it's a great, awesome moment. Killmonger is super badass. Uh, I really loved, by, by him kind of outing Obadiah Stane that early, kind of to your point, it short circuits the back half of the Iron Man movie. Yes. Like... Tony doesn't need to do anything to fix his heart or to save himself because there's no shrapnel there. And also, Obadiah Stane doesn't need to be outed as a villain anymore because Killmonger does it in the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. So it really turns into a situation where once we have this meeting, uh, or once we have this press conference, the rest of Iron Man, the movie, becomes non-important and we are now very securely in a very different reality, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, I also thought it was important the way that The Watcher walked us through are Tony Stark right? and seeing those key moments, particularly his like, I am Iron Man with the infinity gauntlet, because you do really realize that this all happened because he had this change of heart because of what happened to him. And Killmonger robbing him of that, you really, I think showing us those visual moments, those touch points that we know so well, helps hit home like, oh fuck, this is still that asshole. right? This isn't the guy from the end of Iron Man who we like, this is the asshole guy. Mm-hmm. God, that's not great. Um and so yeah, so it was it was just a really cool way to sort of set all of this stuff up. And I also love that um again because this Tony Stark is a little bit more of an asshole, mm. um Happy and Pepper kind of get sidelined here. Yeah. You know, at this point, don't forget like we all think of Pepper as this sort of a uh, moral touchstone for Tony mm-hmm. cuz she has been for so long, but at yeah. the beginning of Iron Man, she's still like his assistant. Like she's right. not she's not in the position to really be like, Tony, you got to get your shit together. So there's nobody here at this point who can really tell Tony what to do except for Eric Killmonger, which is kind of horrifying.
0: Yeah. that's Excellent points, Mike, because he hasn't suffered through what he suffered through, which made him more vulnerable, which made him listen to pepper, made him listen to happy, made him appreciate life a little bit more, you know, hit sit down and having that hamburger. We don't have that moment anymore. This is a guy who is, even more gung-ho to create the weapons and protect once again kind of visions of um of of the creation of ultron this desire to protect yeah. you know to go farther um what did you think about this opening shannon what what kind of struck you and stood out for you and kind of affected you from this opening
1: so there was a moment and and you know this this did not pan out but the moment the killmonger throws that missile so easily yeah Um, part of me is just like oh is killmonger a super soldier that's immediately where my head went just how he so easily tossed it that did not pan out um but the moment that that killmonger theme kicks in like the theme work in the mcu is kind of hit and miss you've got some really recognizable uh, recognizable ones with avengers um with guardians of the galaxy and then some of them just kind of fall to the wayside right. the killmonger theme as well as most of the black panther score the wakanda theme yeah. um those are really those are just again audio audio touchstones like you hear it right away you know who's showing up mm-hmm. um for harry whittington from the british post that sure sounded like john oliver to me i know it wasn't but but the moment that he that he raises his hand and starts asking a question i was just like i would love it if john oliver were this big ncu fan and they got him to do like a a one-line role um to to tony not changing um you know this is not only did he not experience the hopelessness of that cave um this is a guy who didn't experience the sacrifice of Jensen. yeah um, right this, Good the point. guy who sacrificed his life yeah. so tony could get out um and so like he did see those soldiers die but but it w- was really i think the sacrifice of this guy who who he is the reason that tony got out that yeah. that's one of the big reasons that Tony did have that change of heart. Um, when they announce uh, Eric Killmonger as the new chief, uh, chief like head of security, <laughs> that is a job that Happy was going to get yeah. in, I think he did get it in, in Iron Man 3. Yeah. So it was very fun. Again, John Favreau in animated form is just <laughs> funny. Like, the, like he doesn't even have to say a thing no, and man. you just start laughing. But yes, solid opening with this. Um, and, and I was, I was so curious where we were going to go from there.
0: Yeah. Give a shout out to Mike, uh, Mick Wingert, who is the voice of Tony Stark in this Beth Hoyt, who is the voice of Pepper Potts and Cliff Vandenhovel who is the voice of Obadiah Stane. Great job, especially Beth Hoyt as uh, Pepper Potts. Yeah. I thought she nailed Paltrow's timber and resonance and pacing that she does as Pepper Potts it, really well.
2: I think they do. It's, it's a funny thing. I, they, they have cast. the the people who are not the actual people really, really, really well. Like they clearly clearly come to earth. I still have a little twinge of like, it's a hard thing for my ear because when you have so many of the actual people there, when you hear like Nick Winger or Beth Hoyt, you said, is that her name? Yes. Uh, uh, When you hear them do it, when you hear them do it, you're like, this is really good. Mm. It's not quite there. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like it's like when you're standing next to the person, who you're like, you're like, and and like, it's not to take anything away from them. I think they're just killing it. They're doing an right. amazing job. But it's, it's definitely something I'm like, oh man, I wish, I wish that was Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Deep de, de, ah, It's okay. <laughs> just, just to
0: hear Jeff Bridges do obedized again, I think would have been awesome. But yeah, I oh, hear just you. Scraps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't answer the question. Don't answer the question. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Tony and Killmonger are at an after-party, which feels very reminiscent to Iron Man 3 when he offers Killmonger Obadiah Stane's job after Obadiah Stane has been arrested, obviously, under Pepper's protests, quiet protests, but protests nonetheless. As Michael points out, this is not the Pepper we know later who is quite uh, open about her issues with Tony. This is still the Pepper who's kind of figuring out where she can uh, uh, kind of push him in certain directions. Uh, Pepper goes to another room, and who's there? But Colonel Rhodes I half expected, I really did, to hear Terrence Howard. I was like, this, in my mind, I'm like, come on, come on. But, of course, it's not. It is Don Cheadle doing the voice of Rhodes there. Uh, he And she, he offers her intel on Killmonger. We essentially get his dossier annapolis mit member of seals performing assassinations around the world pepper is suspicious and she thinks killmonger wants something and rhodes says why and she goes well it's been my experience that hardly anyone works with tony who doesn't want something uh stark is then we cut the stark showing killmonger his lab with all his weapons they talk about weapons they talk about fathers uh, and killmonger uh, just kind of like all sheepishly offers up that he, he had an idea for a weaponized mechanical suit remember this guy went to mit so he would have an idea for a weaponized mechanical suit and says he couldn't crack it stark offers to help jarvis brings up the this project it's called project liberator they have a funny back and forth about the anime look of this suit and make a gundam reference i thought it was brilliant stark asks for supplies from jarvis and we get a montage of them working together to build the suit i half wanted an 80s theme song here to play but i dug the music i like the music here uh, and this felt like an iron man 2 scene almost when uh, what's his face uh, was uh, with the bird
1: was building just, Justin Hammer yeah, and, just, uh, no, and the Whiplash. Yeah, Whiplash. Ivan Vanko.
0: Ivan Vanko, who is uh, quietly Lady Outlaw, one of Lady Outlaw's favorite characters in the MCO. I can't explain it. <laughs> But like he, when he's <laughs> when he's building the suit. So there's reminiscent stuff of Iron Man 2 here. Uh, they say they they're, they they he hit some kind of roadblock, they need a new power source. Stark comically offers up miniaturizing an arc reactor, which is very funny. And then Killmonger suggests vibranium and offers up his ring as a source. Tony wants to talk to Elise's claw we find out here which Pepper does not like killmonger agrees and says they need some political cover so they bring in Rhodes as cover of course uh all right shannon what do you think about all this the furthering of this relationship uh pepper getting suspicious about this Rhodes being a part of this as well and then building this mechanized suit what did you think about all this
1: yeah i thought one of the really interesting things uh, throughout this episode and i think this is the first moment where it occurred to me is what was Killmonger's original plan? Yeah. Because I don't think he could have foreseen that he was going to end the day as Stark's COO. I mean, yeah, probably I, not. It seemed like it seemed like that was genuine. That was genuine surprise. Like you know, I don't know Stark. I'm I'm more of a soldier. Um, but you know, he sees this opportunity, and we see that military training that adapt and overcome. Yeah, adapt and overcome. Um, like Always. you know, he was he was given a gift, and he's like, all right, let's let's take this and roll with it. I thought it was really funny when. Uh, Tony said, you know, we'll be like Butch and Sundance, you know, but to be clear, I'm Sundance, who was played by Robert Redford, who played Alexander Pierce (laughs) in Captain America 2. (laughs) Great point. Uh, And yeah, I thought it was really interesting that that Rhodes was the only character from the Iron Man universe that seemed to have gotten a little sidelined in this. Like there Mm -hmm. just wasn't any time for he and Tony to have that moment. Because I also think he would have been he would have been slightly suspicious, um, yeah. mainly when it comes to the fact that Killmonger's uh unit was so far away and he chose not to, he right. chose not to report to his superiors that hey, something's going down right now. Oh, and something else we got to talk about when we found out that Killmonger was, this is going back, but when Killmonger was um kind of undercover with the 10 rings, yeah. that is a connection to Shang-Chi. Um, and that's something like mm-hmm, when they're looking right. at their release dates, I was like, I wonder if that if that was deliberate at all because it is we're only like three weeks out from its release date um yeah watching that that drone immediately the head to me that really looked like the the same head of of the hammer drone right um Mm -hmm. yeah and and (laughs) the moment that he takes out that repulsor blaster and he aims it at tony for a (laughs) second and (laughs) was it dummy dummy? Yeah. Uh, the one mechanical arm who grabs it and takes it away—that apparently he had—he has better instincts, or <laughs> they have better instincts than Tony Stark in this situation.
0: Yeah, as soon as he turned and pointed at him, I was like, oh, "No, he's a villain." Uh, yep. what, what What did you
1: think about
0: all of the sequence? What's that out for you, Mike? Uh,
2: well, yeah, I love that they were. I, I think that bar actually is literally a bar—a bar from Iron Man One. I think they actually oh, are in that oh. exact bar. Okay, uh, and they sort of recreated it. You can go back and look at it. What I what I really I disagree a little bit with Shannon because I think that more or less he maybe didn't think he was gonna get there this fast or in this way but I think this was exactly Killmonger's plan Mm. I think that he he knew he wanted to get these things made like i i think that he was like playing 3d chess and everyone else was playing checkers and i okay. think that one of the parts that really fun is like you do sort of forget that like they do say in Black Panther like it's it's the same thing like he did graduate MIT and like i think in Black Panther kind of to Shannon's point once he gets going he's so much just like go you know he, he it's all about his power and his yeah. strength and him going up against ashala but he's really 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 smart and this you get to see just how smart for example like when they are talking early on i think it's right at the bar right after mm-hmm. he's ta- he's ta- casually talking and he's like oh what is it your dad used to say uh peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy mm, uh, right. which is exactly what tony tony like that's an exact quote from iron man he's like oh yeah my dad used to say this thing and so you're like oh this dude did his homework. Oh, yeah. Like, this guy came to play. Like, he has he has been tracking Tony. He's been researching Tony. He knows everything that's going down. Um, even with the whole thing with the designs, where he's like, oh, yeah, I have this design, like... We know from the MCU that Tony's giant weakness is that he can't help but tinker. Like, give him an Mm -hmm. idea, even a bad idea, like a giant force field around the world, and he's going to go try and tackle it. Like, he'll build an Ultron. He'll build this. So you're like, oh, yeah, I had this big machine. I just I could never figure out how to do it. Like, he's done psychological profiles on this guy. He knows that this is how it's going to go. um and i thought the montage was really fun it reminded me sort of like it was like it was sort of like the montage in iron man where he was trying to put together the suit because he you saw stuff working but you saw stuff not working so like you kind of had some fun comedic beats uh and then i liked the mention of the arc reactor because it was like a comedic throwaway line but also i liked it because the arc reactor getting this is getting a little uh a little too much symbolism probably for what they were intending but The arc reactor is close to Tony's heart. He keeps it close to his heart. And also it's a miniaturized version of the arc reactor that his dad built. So the arc reactor is close to his heart and tied to his dad. And then uh, Killmonger pulls out the ring that his father gave him, which is close to his heart, and gives him that for the vibranium. So there really is this moment where you're kind of like these are two dudes who are so driven by their dads but went down very different roads and kind of to what you were saying the other day john on uh, on the main show when we were yeah. talking about the hawkeye trailer and uh, kate bishop and eleanor bishop mm. and how like it might be fun to see a girl and her mom because the marvel is marvel is so built around uh these characters and their dads. But yeah. I thought that was like a really, really kind of nice kind of uh, reference to both of them. Yeah. And, uh, and then with the Ulysses Claw thing, you know, it's interesting. In uh, Age of Ultron, like Tony does mention that he knows Ulysses Claw. Like there's that funny right. interchange where he's like, oh, Ulysses Claw. He does an arms deal and, and uh, Steve gives him a look and he's like, we didn't have like an arms dealer convention, but you know people. Um so yeah, just given given this Tony and that he is still very much closer to the Tony Stark who he was, this whole let's reach out to Ulysses Claw is not too far out of the realm right for him.
0: Yeah. I'll go even further with your power source. If they're talking about their dads, their dads essentially are half of the power source that created both of those guys. So if you want to yeah. go even deeper, we can go even that place. So uh, anyway, let's move on. We head to a salvage yard on the African coast. Uh, I'm getting Age of Ultron vibes. Of course, it's very, very much a reference to that moment where he's uh, talking with uh, with uh, um, uh, Ultron there about all the vibranium. Anyway, Ro- Rhodes and Cla- and uh, Ulysses Claw are working through a deal here. Oh my god, Andy Circus. As much as I enjoy seeing Killmonger, again, it is a joy to hear Andy Circus again as Ulysses Claw. He offers a Dora Milaje spear which Rhodes refuses, which signals to Claw that this man means business, and then he shows Rhodes the vibranium and it is almost exactly the vibranium that you saw in Ultron. Suddenly, uh, Claw senses they've been breached. Rhodes is calling for Killmonger uh and and uh, Claw has all his men turn around when suddenly the Black Panther shows up. You know, people thought we were only going to hear Chadwick Bozeman in that one episode and they felt all sentimental about it. We, we've been hearing Chadwick all through What If, for God's sakes. But anyway, Black Panther shows up and we hear that drum music, here, which is so awesome. It's T'Challa. And just then Killmonger comes out from the darkness after Black Panther is pretty much taking care of everybody and taking the gun off of Rhodes. Killmonger comes out of the darkness with the sonic taser machine and essentially incapacitates both Rhodes and T'Challa. T'Challa tries to go for him one more time and Killmonger kills him. And then he uses Black Panther's glove and claw to kill Rhodes after he chastises him for wearing the uniform of their oppressors. Claw comes out. You see, they've been in cahoots the whole time. And then we cut to a fantastic sequence showing the coffins landing in both Wakanda and the United States with the bodies of Rhodes And T'Challa, we cut to a news report implicating Stark Industries with the murder of T'Challa by Rhodes. T'Challa walks in on Stark, thinking he has the upper hand with that Dora Milaje Spear. Stark reveals that Jarvis saw what Killmonger did. Tony brings down the iron doors on the windows, and it looks like it's on. Killmonger makes a joke about Pepper coming to save Stark stark reveals that he melted down to uh, uh killmonger's ring and killmonger comes toe to toe with the mechanized suit because he used that to power the suits and it's killmonger versus the suit and then stark like a fucking idiot gives away the plot by revealing that the machine's moves are killmonger's moves never give the enemy the strategy <laughs> that the other thing is using anyway killmonger uh, incapacitates and uh, essentially kills the suit and then throws the spear at uh, at uh, pin- tony pinning him to the wall uh they have an exchange about the situation about the differences between their both path- their paths and how tony thinks they're similar what and the reason uh, uh killmonger thinks they're different is the reason he's killing tony and he does kill tony so let's stop there uh mike a lot to dissect in here certainly the claw stuff the vibranium stuff black panther showing up again the terrible um experience we have to go through seeing essentially chadwick bozeman uh, you know dying again in the form of black panther here really tough to see but then the death of tony stark and all of this as well what did you think as we got deeper into killmonger's evil here being fully unveiled in this sequence
2: um, yeah, well, like you said, as soon as you saw the salvage yard, I just love that we jumped from Iron Man to Age of Ultron mm-hmm. and uh, Ulysses Claw showing up. Like that dude, Andy Serkis just clearly loves this role. For as yeah. for as, as little as Ulysses Claw got to play around in the MCU, boy did he make it memorable. Because oh, yeah. he chews animated or live action, he is gonna chew up every bit of scenery, and it is really something to see. I mean, it is like boy, <laughs> it is it is powerful. You know, the great part about what if is all bets are off. You have no idea what's going to happen. So, uh, Killmonger coming out, killing Rhodey, and then killing T'Challa. Like, T'Challa shows up, and I was like, oh, yeah, now he's here. These two are going to come face-to-face. We're going to, now the story's going to get real interesting. No, Killmonger is just fucking taking down everybody. Um... I love the funeral sequence. I thought it was really beautiful. I thought going from Rhodey's coffin to his coffin. Thought it was a cool detail that the Dora Milaje are actually not carrying his coffin. They're just standing next to it because it's floating because Wakandan coffins are way cooler than regular coffins. <laughs> uh, I saw, I didn't check this because I don't speak or write Wakandan, but somebody on uh, Twitter was saying that uh, the Wakandan letters actually spelled out Wakanda forever. I assume that's probably true. That sure. seems like that's something that it would say. Sure. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. And then you start to really see what's going on here. I mean, you start to really see what Killmonger's plan is. Like, well, now you got, you know, like the Americans are ready to go to town, like everything like he's, you can start to see that this was just a, what what the plan was. And then the battle with Tony was just awesome. Again, yeah. I was like, well, they just killed Rhodey and they just killed T'Challa. Like, they're not good. No, okay, no, they are. No, he's going to. <laughs> like, it was like, oh, okay, we're really, this yeah. This is really Killmonger's episode. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't remember the exact words I didn't write it down, but I really did love that moment. You know, I mean, uh, as we said, like Ryan Coogler's Black Panther movie is so much about the black experience and yeah. so, and Killmonger as a character, his motivation is so much about, um you know, freeing freeing the oppressed peoples everywhere. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that this version of Killmonger is so intent on freeing all of the oppressed black people around the world that he goes and kills two black people. So yeah. I think that there's there's definitely something yeah. interesting that you can delve in there. But I really did love that line he said to Tony where it was like, Tony's like, I thought we were fighting on the same, I thought we were fighting the same battle. And he's like, the fact you think you and me are fighting the same battle shows that we are not. Like the, like just mm-hmm. this idea that like you are a rich, entitled, white dude, yeah. Uh, our experiences are nowhere near the same and what we want is nowhere near the same. So I thought right. that line was kind of the closest we got into the episode to really just like hitting right on the head uh, some of those best Killmonger moments from Black Panther. Yep. Uh, and so I thought it was really great. But yeah, Tony went down and I'm like, fuck <laughs> what's gonna happen next which we will talk about in a minute but not until that, shannon weighs in first
0: yeah it's, it's a good point though you bring up for sure i mean the idea that oh you're a you know you're a rich white guy quippy one-lining white guy where everybody gives him gives you everything and you can buy whatever you want i've had to fight scratch and claw yep to get, literally, Claude, to get to this moment to be able to do the things that I'm doing to exact revenge. the fact you can't see the difference is the reason why I have to kill you. That's a great point you bring up, Mike. Certainly a very powerful moment uh, uh, that kind of echoes what Ryan Coogler was trying to get people to see in Black Panther. What did you think, Shannon? What stood out for you here? So much occurring in this sequence, seeing fully that this is a villain uh, and uh, seeing the experience, or watching him essentially kill two of our favorite characters in Rhodes, uh, and Black Panther and eventually Tony as well
1: I mean Andy Circus is great in any medium um, and and as much as I loved Black Panther I, th- I think killing him off is one of the few mistakes that they make so like why would you take this guy off the board you can have him pop up in anything forever but I was happy, happy to see him come back for this. Yes, yep. great scene. As soon as T'Challa showed up, it's I, I had the same feeling as Vogel. like, oh boy, here we go. Story's yeah. about to kick in a high gear, and bang, he's dead. Like, and right. he's using sort of a, a mechanized version of the of the device that Obadiah Stane used on Tony mm-hmm. in Iron Man One. Made it more of a cannon versus less of a uh, less of a covert ops device. Right. Um, you know. Like, I definitely agree with you guys about Killmonger's point of view when it comes to Tony, But when his shirt gets ripped off and even animated, Michael B. Jordan is shredded. <laughs> um, and he points out the marks where he's like, each one is for a kill. honestly, tony, i I, I was hoping you weren't gonna be one. Right. I believe him when he says that because there's no reason for him to lie at that point right. but I but I understand what you're, uh, but I understand the point when when Tony says, you know, I thought, I thought we were fighting the same battle. I thought we were. I thought we were alike. And his mm-hmm. his line, which was a great line, the difference between you and me is that you can't see the difference between you and me. That's like it. just, yeah, thank you. Just, just a fantastic written line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the is we don't. Yeah, we haven't met. We haven't met the king and queen yet. Uh, no, all no, right, no, gotcha.
2: But to your point about a shirtless Michael B. Jordan who is ripped and sexy as as hell, animated or not. Uh, But a really fun detail was he has less marks on his body in What If Mm. than he does when we see him in Black Panther because it's there's several years in between and he kills lots more people.
0: He does, that's for sure. I like Michael B. Jordan's confidence when he plays this character, whether on camera or behind the mic, there's just such a confidence. Do you know what I'm saying? That's That's what makes him really charming. Nothing unsettles him. Even, you know, Tony figuring things out to Jarvis stuff He's like, all right, cool. What's pepper going to come save you? Like, it's just great how confident he is in whatever situation he walks into supremely. Even when the doors are coming down, he's not like unsettled when the robot comes out or the, the mechanized suit. He's not unsettled. It's a little bit daunting that he's got that it knows its moves, but then Tony gives it away. Uh, and he's able to handle his business and free, uh, uh, freestyle as he says it, and takes and takes that thing out. Let me ask you: Does Panther say cousin to him, or does he only say it at the end on the spiritual? I, I thought he said it here. Or Killmonger says cousin. So is that Killmonger what says it? Does it? Oh, Killmong- so he right because he knows the situation. Okay, yeah,
1: all right. I wanted,
0: to, I wanted to clarify that in my head. I was a little confused on it. All right, we, he says cousin
1: two- or he says cuz. He probably which, says cuz. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hey auntie. Yeah. Cause it makes sense. Hey auntie. <laughs> All right. We cut to Thunderbolt Ross, uh, who is voiced in this one by Mike McGill. We cut to him talking to Killmonger and revealing that this might be the Wakandans who did this. When happy asks why Jarvis didn't catch it. Pepper reveals that Jarvis was wiped clean dot, dot, dot conveniently, which arouses Killmonger's suspicion. He says, what the hell's that supposed to mean? Ross kind of stops it in his track and then Killmonger wants to stop it. It wants to go after Pepper. Killmonger stops him in his tracks and says, no, let it be. Her and Tony had a thing, whatever. Uh, Then uh, uh, Ross says he wants to weaponize these suits with Killmonger. Uh, Pepper protests. Uh, Ross says he's taking Stark Industries because of the Patriot Act. He's taking Stark Industries over and they are putting the robots in production. We see them being built, coming off the line. Honestly, it's really unsettling. And then the shot of Killmonger leading them out is That's a badass animated shot, let me just say. Uh, Then Killmonger flies with the suits to Ulysses' claw and shows him what they've built with that uh, vibranium. Uh, They drive out to a road in the jungle later that night outside Wakanda. Then we see the uh, shields being revealed, uh, and uh, Claw calls him boy, which you really don't do, Uh, and uh, although Killmonger was going to do this already, it kind of gave him even more impetus to do so when he called him boy. uh, Killmonger walks over and says, hey, just like you said, the Wakandans are full of surprises, and he shoots Claw in the head. So even in this universe, he shoots him pretty early in the movie all right then we get a scene from black panther where he is bring essentially from echoing black panther where he is bringing claw to wakanda but this is to the Dora of milage instead uh t'chaka uh, is there and he after he's been after he's heard that killmonger is here and what killmonger is claiming t'chaka reveals to ramunda that he did uh, i'm sorry he he hid the heritage rather of killmonger from his wife Killmonger and the king have an exchange and T'Chaka have an exchange about his dad after Killmonger comes into the room and his brother, uh, T'Chaka's brother, uh, Killmonger, Shuri and Okoye have a discussion about how to destroy the drones after Killmonger reveals the drones are coming, that it's an attack from America on Wakanda killmonger says to let the drones come in and that and then we'll put let the shields come up let the drones come in we'll put the shields down that will cut off the connection of the drones to the jarvis uh, uh ai there uh and then we see the queen as the general prepared to fight the drones. that was a fucking awesome twist ramonda coming out there angela bassett getting to do a badass warrior that was cool as shit. So, uh, Shannon, what did you think about this whole sequence here? Uh, getting a little more about the Killmonger stuff. We're seeing now him manipulating the pieces on the board. Ross, dumb as ever, being used in these situations here. And then seeing him ingratiate himself with the Wakandans and also killing uh, Cloud. Uh, I mean,
1: Killmonger's unflappableness which you had touched on right before that Mm -hmm. moment that pepper does throw a little bit of shade at him throwing out the possibility that he may have had something to do with this and as ross comes in ready to fight he's like hey it's okay you know she's you know they they were they were tight um that i also made the note about that shot um because it reminded me of kind of one of those age of ultron shots where it's ultron with all the bots behind Mm -hmm. him and it's like boy tony can't help but build things that he wants to do good with and they end up becoming uh just you know a a stain a stain on his legacy um <laughs> I, I also thought it was a fun detail cuz you know we don't know how long i'm a, it's probably 7 8 years i mean that would have been the difference between iron man 1 and yeah. civil war and probably black panther by association um i did like how much younger shuri was like shuri oh, yeah. is a child here i mean she is Hey, she's a she's a little girl, yeah, but yeah. Y- you can still see the the brain power and the fact that even as as however old she's supposed to be, ten or twelve, um, even there she still does not trust this guy who who is her cousin. Right, right.
0: What do you think about all this, Mike, and uh, about him and and you know him coming face to face now with the Wakandan royalty, with as Shannon pointed out, Shuri, uh, and then also kind of batting back a little bit of the pepper um suspicion which of course is going to play itself out in the next section here uh, as a possible adversary, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, Killmonger. What'd you think of all this? Yeah. Well,
2: just, I mean, just echoing what you two said, uh, you know, we talk about this, like, uh, Shannon and I were in a writing meeting earlier. where We were mm-hmm. talking about this, like when you're like sort of uh, building the character of your villain, like you can have villains who are super explosive, uh, yeah. like Hades and Hercules, or you can have like the cool as the cucumber villains and you can have anything in between, but like, that is like a, how they respond to, uh obstacles how they respond to uh being pressed about things and yeah part of the defining traits of killmonger is that he just is he's cool he's ready. you can throw anything and he's gonna act like it was completely expected and fine he's always got that comeback ready he's always kind of just one step ahead and so i think that scene is really great uh and then i do love how you know as we just as i was like with Iron Man, we sort of got up to a certain point, but then Killmonger's interference said, well, the rest of Iron Man doesn't matter now. We saw the part that mattered, and now yeah. we're in a different territory. And then we get to this point where we're like, well, and now we're picking up with kind of the back half of Black Panther. Like, yeah. we know that Killmonger and Claw did their thing together, worked together, and then they were going to go to Wakanda. And then, uh, what is it he says in the movie? Like, you can't trust those Wakandans. They're all savages. Yeah, yeah. And, and he shoots him. And here he calls him boy, and... He gets shot again and his body is used as sort of the 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 uh the currency to get him into Wakanda. Except the buy-in. now. Yeah. Yeah, the buy in. And then he gets to now he gets to see the whole family and you know, like, it, T'Chaka, maybe not the smartest king in this instance, in this situation, <laughs> but he did just lose his son. Like, yeah, I mean, right. T'Challa just died, and now his nephew shows up, uh, seemingly with good intentions. So you can kind of forgive him for maybe being a bit sentimental about all this, probably still feeling bad about what went down with his brother as well. Mm. So, you know, you can sort of see where that would work. But, yeah, just he so easily gets in there. And, yeah, Shuri, just like Pepper, Uh, You know, shout out to the women of this universe, in the Marvel Universe, because Uh. they seem to be the only ones that are paying attention. Um, And the only other thing about Thunderbolt (laughs) Ross, I do love that Thunderbolt Ross is just the most uh, hawkish, political, like, like, you can just say to him, be like, hey, I have this shady evidence from a guy I don't trust. But if you take it, you can go to war. And he's like, I'm in, I'm in. Like it doesn't matter what like Thunderbolt Ross wants a fight and he will like whatever you need he's ready to fight like I just think he uh he he is the MCU's commentary on the military machine it's all, <laughs> Thunderbolt Ross is 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 what it's all about um but yeah and and then yeah to your point like then with everything sort of gearing up this whole big battle coming all orchestrated by Killmonger um and. Yeah, Ramona being the general was oh. you, like, I literally, I think I just under my breath was like, she should have been,
1: <laughs>
2: been, been Storm. A million I will, percent. I am sure that whenever Storm comes into the MCU, whatever actress they cast will probably be great. And it'll we'll be like, yep, we got a great Storm. But I will go to my deathbed being like, yeah. should have been just should have been Angela Bassett. Yeah, and yeah. when she's standing there with her spear and I'm like, yep, there she is. That's, that's badass. That's that's my woman right
0: there. Who can um top Okoye? Ramunda as a damn yeah. general herself, man. Oh my god. It was badass. All right. Anyway, let's say we cut to uh Ross in this command center. He thinks he's got it all figured out. He's got these uh uh uh, uh mechanized suits marching towards the capital city of Wakanda. Uh, But on the screen, it looks like nothing. And he's like, well, are we sure that this is where we're supposed to be? Are we sure? And then suddenly uh, Wakanda opens the shields, and that's because Killmonger has told T'Chaka to do so. Uh, They open the shields, and uh, we see the the capital city of Wakanda there. And uh, uh, Ross is like, oh, there it is. Oh, my God, wow. They start marching in, and then Killmonger uh, accused T'Chaka to close the shields, they close the shields there. It affects Ross's connection to the drones, just as Killmonger predicted. So we're like, "Oh, what is this? This seems to be working." Even Shuri says, "Your plan is working." And then T'Chaka and Killmonger play, uh, are talking, about, or at least T'Chaka is talking about celebrating this with Killmonger, and says, "You know, you will be, uh, you will always have a home in Wakanda." And Killmonger says, Nah no, no, I need a little." that and activates the drones which leads to an awesome battle between the drones and the Milage, uh on the lage, probably the door the uh and then even and when things are starting to get a little shaky killmonger jumps on the rhino uh those big old rhinos uh from uh um uh, uh oh god daniel kaluuya i forget that character's name wakabi W-K- Oh, from Wakabi's uh, Wakabi. uh, tribe. They jump on there, and he jumps on the rhino, and he attacks the drones himself, trying to trick the other people in Wakanda, the royal family, into seeing him as a Wakandan hero. He even saves Okoye to put a cherry on top of that bullshit cake. Then the Black Panther score, I put the Black Panther score, is killing it here. It's fantastic here. <laughs> uh, Killmonger yells Wakanda forever, and the queen, not to be outdone, kills two more drones and says for t'challa which is an incredible moment uh and then ross knows he's been had killmonger is on the mountain uh, that was mentioned earlier in the back and forth between uh, and i think it's the same mountain that uh, t'challa brings him to in black panther there uh t'chaka comes upon him and they have an exchange about killmonger wanting to serve wakanda and then we find out that t'chaka has made killmonger the new black panther he goes to the spirit realm and who shows up T'Challa, and Chadwick Boseman's voice, God damn it, this is great, shows up and asks him, echoes of Infinity War uh, saying, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Uh, and the same argument from the Black Panther movie comes up again about their competing ideologies about what to do with the power that Wakanda wields. T'Challa tells him uh, as a final kind of warning that power stolen can be quite unstable. We cut to Pepper and Ross talking about finding Wakanda. Shuri is in Pepper's office and shows her evidence of what happened and what Killmonger did and who he killed. And they come together to plan to expose Killmonger. And The Watcher ends with a fantastic line that I don't know if they wrote before Chadwick Boseman died or after Chadwick Boseman died. But this is a fantastic line. Heroes are never really gone. They live forever as do the ones they inspire to carry on the fight. And that line can be used in so many places. What a beautiful way to end this episode. Michael, what did you think about this whole ending sequence here with Killmonger and the war and the battle and uh, ingratiating himself becoming Black Panther, the warning from T'Challa, and then seeing both Pepper Potts and Shuri kind of coming together to try to stop Killmonger down the road.
2: I love that Ryan Coogler did such a good job with Black Panther. Mm-hmm. that we all just take it as complete fact that Wakanda is the most technologically advanced place in the entire world and the Dora Milaje are the absolute most badass fighters in the world yeah. and then we get to watch it in action like oh, watching yeah. Wakanda like watching them battle those robots was <laughs> just pure animation eye candy awesome hmm. and it just like i just sat there kind of loving that we live in a world where You know, like we talk about this whole time. There is a ton of shit when so and so gets cast as this, or they change the race of this, or this female role is this. Half of Twitter goes crazy and says, This is woke bullshit. And the other half of Twitter is like, Why do you got to get mad at woke bullshit? Why don't you just accept the world's changing? And we all spend a lot of energy yelling at each other, and it gets super exhausting. And all I want to do is enjoy my fucking movie. And I love that. The Dora Milaje don't really get uh, attacked so much. You're Like a bunch of badass yeah. black women, and you're like, "Don't fuck with them." Yeah, you you can keep your woke bullshit. Keep it shut it up. We all we all agree about them, and they are just that badass and awesome. Um, it was awesome when she, when Ramona, uh, sh- the way that she threw the spear, threw two liberators, mm-hmm. leapt on top of them, ripped the spear out, and I was like, "Well." this is just the greatest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, And just, look, Killmonger's plan. I mean, he could have just let the Liberators come in and just defeated General Ross, but just doing it all the way he did it, keeping in control of the situation and then riding that rhino in and being the hero. Like, he just rode his way right from uh, rescuing Tony Stark to being the new Black Panther and just, like, boom, 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 and just did it so... Easily, Yeah. Um, Him standing up on that mountain was great. Him going to the spirit realm. Like I was kind of like, all right, so I see where this is ending. This is great. He's the black Panther. I get it. That's sort of the big cliffhanger ending of this episode. Right. Then he went to the spirit realm and just look, I said it last week when T'Challa had his line to Peter about death uh, and how Wakandans view death. It's just like anything Chadwick Boseman related just has an extra weight to it. And particularly seeing T'Challa show up in the spirit realm, like, has some extra weight to it and yeah. it was a beautiful scene it was so cool and just like it it there was that sense of foreboding it's like it looks like killmonger has won but t'challa's like look whether it's in this world or the next world like you're going to have to pay for this like this yeah. is not gonna go down easy and then great just final final surprise like you know you see pepper you see ross you see everything happening going into that office and having shuri sitting there i was like all right fuck yeah this is great mm-hmm. and the thing about these what if episodes i'm i am sure they're all connecting like i am sure we're oh, in yeah. for some kind of big connection but like beyond whatever big connection is happening i would i could watch a six episode miniseries on any one of these episodes mm-hmm I am super into every one of these and uh, just the idea of Pepper and Shuri working together to figure out what to do to like take down Killmonger as the Black Panther. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a great move. Like it's just each one of these. I'm just always so impressed with not only where they start, but where they end and how each one leaves me wanting more in such a major way.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting, Shannon, right? I mean, we're having, in essence, the rumors were that Shuri, is going to essentially replace the Tony Stark in a way by being the person who creates all the technology, who's smarter about all the technology. We saw shades of that Infinity War when she's like criticizing how Banner and Stark did what they did with, with, uh, with uh, Vision and what they were doing. So you could have just done this, and it's like, oh, we didn't think about that. So in essence, here we go again. Stark is dead in this universe as well. Here's Shuri kind of sitting, even sitting in the chair of Pe- behind the desk, kind of being a person who's going in Tony's desk. So in essence, even more like on the nose that he is replacing, she is replacing rather Tony Stark in this universe. What do you think about all of this way to end this episode? Do you think this is leading up? Like, are we going to touch base on this? Or is this one of those like kind of episodes that we'll touch base on in season two, as opposed to being part of an overall thing that we're going to deal with
1: at the end of the season? I mean, the whole battle, as you guys already said, the whole battle was awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think it also proves that Thunderbolt Ross, in classic uh, political military fashion, just keeps failing up. <laughs> that He can have a bunch of losses and still end up the Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Dormelage were awesome. I love the Border Tribe, but they're fighting with, with force field blankets. Right. I mean, the watching those dudes you know stop stop all the liberators and then when it looks like the battle might be in question how killmonger hops on that armored rhino and that leads the charge to flank flank the liberators separating their forces it was it was just awesome and because wakabi wasn't in it the moment that he saves okoye i'm like oh is this the start of a romance a a tactical romance from killmonger like all right i just saved one of their best warriors being involved with her can only help me watching him become the black panther when he goes that incest when he goes to the ancestral plane um so many great moments uh from chadwick boseman and as you guys said because of because of what happened i mean everything just carries extra weight Mm -hmm. i loved his line when when killmonger basically said this is this is what I'm gonna do and Chachala's so your answer to suffering is more suffering mm. yeah. and that's exactly what Tony did at the beginning of this episode because he right. didn't have to go through that loss. He's like the answer to our guys getting killed is to give them bigger weapons. Oh, that's a great
0: point, Shan yeah
1: and yeah oh sorry go ahead.
0: no no it's the connection because because, uh, um, uh, Killmonger responds the way Tony did because Killmonger says more power. That's yeah. my, you, you know, you you think it's this? No, I. The answer is more power, which is what Tony said. So here, kind of turning back that moment when he stabs Tony and says, "Oh, the difference between you and me is you don't know the difference between you and me." I don't think Killmonger knows the difference now between them because they essentially responded to the, both moments in the same way uh, overall, just in just using different uh, methods.
1: Yeah, and then seeing that recruiting poster now that the U S is going to go to war with Wakanda. Only you can avenge Tony Stark. You know, I just, you know, great wording. And then again, Pepper going into Tony's office and this child (laughs) turns around and we find out that Shuri, (laughs) Shuri was right all along. She, she is the Agatha of this universe. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, and this definitely (laughs) seems like a story It sure feels like we're going to revisit it in some capacity. Um, Whether we'll do it this season, whether it plays into the larger story that might be occurring, uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Because right now we have three T'Chalas. We have Star-Lord. Well, I guess one died, I guess. We have Star-Lord T'Challa... We have legless, one-legged T'Challa, and then we have T'Challa who passed away in this one. So it was in the spirit realm. So this is very interesting. How many Black Panthers or T'Chalas are we going to have if there's a, as, you, as we've been speculating, a, a Guardians of the Multiverse? Which T'Challa is going to be part of the Guardians of the Multiverse? So it's a lot of uh, T'Challa. It's a lot of T'Challa, but you can never well, have too well, much. Well, which not that much. One of, them,
1: one of them doesn't have a leg. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's love i guess
0: uh, all right any final words any final thoughts on this episode gentlemen what, what do you come away with i guess uh, i would ask from this episode feeling about where what if is going i think we've got three episodes left
2: I, it's less what what i feel about this episode and okay. more uh you know we talked a lot about How tied this is going to be into the proper MCU, and we're going to see. And you know, like, and we've said this. You know, there's lots of people that are like, I wish, I wish Killmonger wasn't dead because it would be great if he was in Wakanda forever. He was in this, and I just keep thinking about how both DC and Marvel in the comic books, whenever they do these big multi Crisis on Infinite Earths, Secret Wars, multi universe things, they oftentimes use them as a way to reboot whatever they want to reboot. Like, so for mm-hmm. example, Miles Morales was for many years in the ultimate Marvel universe, not right. the main Marvel universe. Like in right. the in the main Marvel universe, Peter Parker, Spider-Man grew up and he was an adult. And in the ultimate Marvel universe, Peter Parker got killed by the Green Goblin and Miles Morales became the new Spider-Man. And when they did one of their big epic arcs and rebooted the universe and slammed them all together, Miles Morales got to exist in the regular Marvel universe now, and he's just canon and he just exists in our our universe. And so watching Killmonger in this episode, I was like, man, he's great. Man, Michael (laughs) B. Jordan's good. And I'm like, when we get done with this multiverse of madness, are we just shutting the multiverse down? Or is this a moment where we're going to do a giant slam it all together? And all of a sudden, Ulysses Claw, Killmonger, with anybody that we want to keep, we can have them come back to life. Yeah. I don't know that they're going to do that, but it definitely made it start. It's starting to make me think a lot about the potential of doing that in the way that they're laying everything out.
0: Good points. Um, Shannon, any final thoughts?
2: I guess my thought is is smaller. It's
1: just a hope for this episode that hopefully Killmonger, uh, this is a this is this is a fool's wish that being <laughs> in Wakanda surrounded by his family, maybe they'll make his heart grow three sizes that day. Um, <laughs> I, I want Killmonger to be the heroic representative of this world, even though I'm pretty sure that's not going
2: to happen. <laughs>
0: I like oh, that shit. you I like that as as the great poem Casey at the bat I like that hope still springs eternal in your human breast to use, yeah, to use that <laughs> line um all right so let's get on out it. my final thought is this this season is kicking ass every episode I'm not disappointed by at all people may you know yeah you've got your ones you liked a little more than the other but the baseline is they're all effing good and I, I like that that's made that's made it very enjoyable to watch these things and dive into them and break them down and analyze them. So, kudos to everybody involved in the production of these, both in front of the mic, but uh, you know, there in the booth, directing the voiceover work, doing the animation, constructing these episodes. Everybody deserves a crap ton of credit for what they've created here. It's fantastic. So, and it makes me excited for a season two. I don't even need you to wrap stuff up here. I'm okay waiting till season two to see these the next uh, episodes for these stories. So, um, all right, let's get on out of here. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of uh, The Geek Buddies and the spoiler review for episode six of What If.
1: Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at shannon underscore mcclung. On Instagram, at shannon the geek buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at mk tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says.
2: Mikey. Uh, If you are a realist like John and I, who like to look at the world the way it is, or if you're an optimist like Mr. McClung over here, who's going to constantly look for the best in everybody, even an assassin who killed three heroes in the Marvel Universe in about 20 minutes, you are welcome here at the Geek Buddies. Uh, We love what we're doing. We want to keep doing it. Here is how you can help us. Uh, Hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave (laughs) us some comments. What did you think of this episode? Where do you think What If is going? Did they nail everything? Were you left wanting? Like, what do you think of everything that happened? Um, If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please take a second to uh, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more geeks can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video. Post it to your socials. Tell everybody to check out the Geek Buddies. Uh, we love doing it with you guys. We love that more people are coming to join in on the fun. And we look forward to sharing more of our crazy, nerdy thoughts with all of you. There you go. All right.
0: Well, for uh, Shannon McClellan, Michael Vogel, uh, I am John Rogan. This is Geek Boys. Thank you so much for watching this. Share this everywhere. And we'll talk to you next time for another spoiler review here from the Geek Buddies.
1: <laughs> Hey! <laughs>